Hotep. Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Thursday, October 21st, 2021, and we are live. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. We're broadcasting right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, The Future Radio. Also on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. All right, so we have a uh, busy show today. Uh, in the second part of our show, we're going to give an update in the trial regarding uh, three white men uh, who allegedly killed Ahmad Arbery. We have some new developments in that case. Uh, but first, I, I want to go to a report that I saw from the Associated Press and um, TheHill.com picked up this story and some other news outlets picked up this story as well. And this is, this is an eight-page uh, article from the Associated Press. It came out on Wednesday, uh, October 20th, Wednesday, October 20th. You may have seen this as well. Black children make up over half of minors handled forcibly by police. African-American children make up over half of minors forcibly handled by police. Um, this, is a, this is a study from the Associated Press that looked at 3,000 use of force instances involving children, 3,000 use of force instances involving children um, under age 16 for the past 11 years. Uh, the the Hill.com picked up this story from the Associated Press. Uh, the data included 25 police departments in 17 states. 25 police departments in 17 states. Uh, so this is a small study. There are approximately 18,500 police departments, but the study is alarming nonetheless. The Associated Press looked at 3,000 use of force instances involving children under six from the past 11 years. Now, while that is a small sampling of nationwide police departments, more than 50% of minors, more than 50% of minors who were, who were handled forcibly in these incidents were African-American, despite the fact that African-American children represent only 15% of U.S. minors. Okay, so we're going to talk about this uh, today, and then also we'll give an update in the trial of the three white men uh, who are accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery. Okay, uh, Gregory McMichaels, Travis McMichaels, and William Roddy Bryan. Uh, the the jury selection continued today. The, okay, Marshall. Okay, all right. Jury selection continued today, and uh, the defense is asking the judge to clear the protesters who are outside with signs, defense asked judge to clear Arbery signs, supporters from courthouse lawn. Also the judge is 
frustrated with the slow pace of jury selection as well. Uh, at the close of day three of the trial on Wednesday, October 20th, 15 jurors had been, 15 people had been selected to go to the next step in the jury process. They need to get 64 people who are prospective jurors, 64 people who are prospective jurors, and they have to reduce that down to 16 jurors, including four alternate jurors. So they have their hands full in trying to get a jury. Okay, the, the, the evidence hasn't been presented yet. They haven't really started the trial. This is jury selection, which is part of the trial, but this is jury selection. So we'll give you an update on that also. Now, as I've said before, as I said on the show yesterday, uh, they don't need to rush jury selection. They need to take their time and make sure they get the proper jury that's going to be impartial, will render their decision based upon the evidence, not based upon protesters, not based upon what they saw on social media or heard at the barbershop, but based upon the evidence, because you don't want to screw this case up and you don't want a decision overturned on a technicality or anything like that. So we'll discuss that also. All right, uh, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or a woman's thoughts, you, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You sign up for the email newsletter there as well, okay? Um, be sure to register for the uh, 10-week online course that I teach on Saturdays from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And a lot of talk uh, is going on about the Civil War from 1861 to 1865, we know that there's going to be a, a special on MSNBC on uh, Sunday, October 24th, 10 p.m., dealing with the Civil War and the legacy of the Civil War, how we're still impacted by it today. OK, so we teach this class on Saturdays as a 10 week online course. Uh, we do a 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Click on register here. It takes you to the next page. Soon you register, you can watch last week's class. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived. All right. Uh, I want to jump into this uh, first uh, story here. 
And then also there's an event at uh, Wayne County Community College on Saturday, October 3rd, uh, Meeting of the Minds, uh, Michigan Democratic uh, uh, Black Caucus. And they're going to have a lot going on, job fair, health care, education, prison reform, panel discussion on reparations. This is going to be at the northwest campus of Wayne County Community College District, 8200 Outer Drive, West Outer Drive, 8200 West Outer Drive, Saturday, October 23rd, uh, 2021, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. So a uh, free event. Okay, so we'll give you a little more information about that as well. Okay. So uh, I saw the article here from the Associated Press and then also from the Hill.com dealing with this on Charles Blow's show on uh, the Black News Channel on Wednesday, October 20th. He did a good segment dealing with this. We'll, we'll go to that segment after after the break. Black children make up over half of minors handled forcibly by police. Associated Press analysis says, Associated Press analysis says. Now, uh, even though this is a small study, it's 25 police departments in 17 states, there are approximately 18,500 police departments in the country. More than 50% of the minors who were handled forcibly in these incidents were African-American, despite the fact that African-American children represent only 15% of U.S. minors. The most common use, the most common uses of force included takedowns, strikes, and muscling down, the Associated Press reported. Takedowns, strikes, and muscling down, followed by firearms being pointed or used. Now, we're talking about uh, children under 16 years old. This is what the study looked at. 3,000 use of force instances involving children under 16 years old for the past 11 years. Now, after George Floyd's murder by Derek Chauvin, former Minneapolis police officer, increased attention has been given to the disproportionate uh, use of force to this uh, use of force that uh, non-white people or people of color often experience in police interactions. However, children have often been disregarded in reform efforts. Children are often disregarded in reform efforts. There are no laws, according to the Associated Press in, in this study, there are no laws that ban use of force on children and while some people and while some police departments have policies that dictate how old a child must be to be handcuffed, most use of force policies make no mention of age, according to the Associated Press report. There are no laws that ban use of force on children. And while some police departments have policies that dictate how old a child must be to be handcuffed, most use of force policies make no mention of age. Now, Dylan Jackson is a criminologist who works on juvenile uh, encounters with the Baltimore Police Department. Dylan Jackson told the Associated Press 
quote, adolescents are just so fundamentally different in so many respects. And the techniques that officers are accustomed to using, it just doesn't lend itself to the interaction going well with youth. It just doesn't lend itself to the interaction going well with youth. Now we're coming up on a break. We're going to continue this on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael Lemontop. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. All right, everybody, stand by. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcasting on social media platforms. Stand by. All right, calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Stand by. All right. Uh, African-American business owners, post name your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. Email us at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. Also, we'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Stand by. Back from break in three minutes. Okay. How are we doing? Who who we have here? Stand by. Back from breaking two minutes. History Network show we deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do a piece what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, Future Radio. 
I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Thursday, October 21st, 2021, and we are live. So right before the break, uh, we were talking about this report from the Associated Press. Uh, they have a study dealing with um, African-American children are uh, make up over half of minors handled forcibly by police. And this is looking at an 11 year period of time. It looked at 25 uh, police departments in 17 states. So we're gonna go back to this story here and I wanna go to this clip um, from uh, the Black News Channel here in just a minute. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. Now the Associated Press uh, went on to say that the National Association of School Resource Officers, RSOs uh, or uh, resource school officers, National Association of School Resource Officers offers training to help officers understand why minors respond to certain situations in the way that they do. However, not every, however, not every department makes use of the training. Not every department makes use of the training. Now, the, um, that was the article from the heel, which gave a synopsis of this. Uh, the piece from the Associated Press is about an eight page, at least, well, with the pictures, it's probably about 14 or 16 pages because I printed it out and took in, in mine came out the eight pages. I took most of the pictures out. Tiny wrists in cuffs, tiny wrists, wrists in cuffs. How Police Use Force Against Children is uh, the name of this report from the Associated Press, okay? Um, so you can check that, this out also. This is from October 20th, 2021. Now, on um, the Black News Channel on Wednesday, Charles Blow spoke with Dr. Philip Atiba Goff. Dr. Philip Atiba Goff is a psychologist. He does a lot of research uh, with uh, dealing with uh, police and law enforcement, um, African-American children, African-Americans, et cetera. There was a study that we've talked about before here on the show from the American Psychological Association. And it deals with how uh, black boys are viewed as older, less innocent than whites research finds. Black boys are, view, are viewed as older, less innocent research finds, okay? This is a um, study from the American Psychological Association. It's at their website, uh, it's from 2014. Study was done by Dr. Philip Atiba Goff. Uh, he's CEO and co-founder of the Center for Policing Equity, the Center Center for Policing Equity. Also, uh, in this clip coming up, you're going to hear from Kristen Henning, Kristen Henning, director of the Juvenile Justice Clinic at Georgetown University. OK. All right. Uh, let's let's go to clip one, Shakita. 
Okay. Uh, it's literally plagued the black community for centuries. Black people have been disproportionately uh, suffering under the brunt of overly aggressive policing, often for minor infractions, and in many cases, no infraction at all. While debates over police misconduct and reform have been reignited in the wake of the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, the treatment of black children by law enforcement has received less scrutiny. According to data, more than 50% of the children handled with force by law enforcement are black, with takedowns, strikes, muscling, and threats of firearm use listed as, as common types of force. While many jurisdictions govern how children may be handcuffed, there are no laws that specifically prohibit the use of police force against them. This leaves a little leeway for parents to file complaints and lawsuits against officers who handle their children with unnecessary force. The issue is also compounded by law enforcement's perceptions of black children as older than they are. An American Psychological Association study found that black boys as young as 10 years old were not viewed with the same childhood innocence as white children the same age. The same study also found that black boys were perceived as being guilty of crimes, subjecting them to police violence. Joining us to discuss more is CEO and co-founder of the Center for Policing Equity, Philip Atita Golf and director of the Juvenile Justice Clinic at Georgetown University, Kristen Henning, whose new book is titled, The Rage of Innocence, How America Criminalizes Black Youth. So, so let me start with you. How do you take these numbers that this new data reveals to us? Uh, to be honest, I'm surprised that the numbers are that low. Um, you cited an American Psychological Association uh, study. That's my study. Um, when we look across multiple cities, we see perhaps even more shockingly that when you control for things like the crime and arrest rates um, of black youth and white adults, black children are more likely to get beat up by cops than white adults. So I want to be really clear about what that means. One, whiteness is more protective than childhood. That's the system that we've built. That's not a few bad apples, that's not a, a training or two, that's not a, a, a changing of hearts and minds. That is the system working the way it was meant to. And that means we need to uproot that and replace it with something different if we want to have these barbaric numbers go in a different direction. Kristen, kids in black communities are often traumatized by the sheer amount of police presence that they see in their neighborhoods. Can you speak to the level of trauma that they may experience by having an actual physical interaction with an officer at such a young age? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's such an important question. I think we so often talk about these high-profile incidents of, of police brutality against children, and we really have to understand that the, there is a deep psychological trauma associated simply with the pervasive presence of police in heavily surveilled black and brown communities. And so research shows that black youth who grow up in communities with, again, heavy police presence experience significant evidence of um, depression, anxiety, 
fear, um, hopelessness, and they become hypervigilant, always uh, afraid or distrustful of the police. And that distrust transfers to other, you know, uh, other authority figures in, in, uh, in their lives, like teachers and the like. And it has a profound impact on their sense of self, who they are, who they can become in society, and whether it even makes sense to participate in mainstream society. So it's really important to understand just how deep and pervasive um, it is for young black children. And as you said earlier, Charles, uh, to come into contact with the police for normal adolescent behaviors that we would never think about engaging the police on if it were a white child. I used to dread when my daughter would take off her shoes in the car because... All right. We got to go past that uh, ad. Okay. Go ahead and play it when it's ready. Talk a little bit about these normal childhood behaviors that the police uh, would encounter in black children see those things as threatening. The first thing that pops to mind is Tamir Rice, right? You know, playing with a, a, a toy gun in a park, you know, not even stopping to say, what is that you have in your hand or whatever. They shot him within, I think it was 1.5 seconds or three seconds of arriving on the scene. Uh, how... Why, why is that so pervasive? Why is that so hardwired into people thinking about black children in particular? Yeah, and so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so excited to be uh, sitting here right next to your book. Um, I, I, I <laughs> the question. Um, yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll tell you that um, part of the reason is because we think of particularly adolescents as a uniquely human stage of development. You go to the zoo and you're looking for the big, scary animals, looking for the tall animals, and you're looking for the baby animals. The kids love to see the baby tiger, the baby lion. Nobody's looking for the teenage wolf, right, or the, the teenage tiger, because that's a uniquely human developmental stage, at least in our own minds. So if you have a group that's not considered fully human, like black folks aren't, by many folks around the country, then you just get to be small and then a predator. That's a part of it. But I think it's really important what's in Kristen's book and what Kristen was just talking about. This is not just a, a, a failure of individual officers. This is a systems failure. So one of the kinds of things that we see at the Center for Policing Equity, my graduate students at Yale, um, is that something that is totally normal, like being bored in class, so you write on your desk. Anybody ever do that? Well, that's vandalism of a public good, and law enforcement get called to enforce that in traditionally black schools, but they don't in white schools. And when someone says, well, that's ridiculous, what are you doing? Get your hands off of me, like a teenager would when they're just drawn on a desk. Well, that's resisting arrest. So it's the whole system that we've set up where when depression or emotion dysregulation um, or just generally being bored because there's not enough resources in the classroom lands you with wanting to mouth off to an authority figure, that's a regular part of being a teenager in any place that services children appropriately. But we have set up our systems where we don't have the resources to control that individual, to not let them disrupt the classroom. So what are we going to do instead of having teachers who are trained and with the resources appropriate for that? We call the cops, and the cops show up, and then violence ensues. That's not just about policing. That's about the, the grand disinvestment that we've had in black communities that makes it look like it's black folks' fault what we do to black folks. That's the part I hope folks take away from this story. 
Kristen, I, I think you wanted to get in on that question as well. Yeah, and you know, uh, my friend Phil said it so beautifully, but you know, we, I mean, it is worth remembering that America has a long history of failing to see black children as children. Um, so all the way back, there's a through line from slavery when children, black children were treated as the property of the, of the purported master through the civil rights era, right? When you can have a, a lynching of Emmett Till without consequence, right? And in particular, as a statement that we will not tolerate integration, a symbolic representation that we will not tolerate black children in our schools. And the only way that the lynchers could justify that is to intentionally paint the picture of black boys like Emmett Till as a threat to whiteness and to white women in particular. And here's what's critical. That narrative then becomes deeply embedded in our American psyche. And you see it again in the 80s and 90s when there's a temporary uptick in crime, and then we have the super predator myth, right? This theory that there was going to be a band of black uh, children run amok in our society to rape, murder, and kill. Um, and that never turned out to be true. But again, furthering the deeply embedded fears that we have about black children. And so when I think about adolescents, just all of us, think about what it meant to be a teenager. Being a teenager is all about what? The music that we listen to, the clothes that we wear, the parties that we attend, the friends that we hang out with, the, the ways in which we style our hair, um, and the like. And it is important to recognize that while white children are given the privilege to experiment with all of that, to enjoy all the freedoms of adolescence, right, from physical safety, public affirmation, um, adventure, experimentation, mm -hmm. social and academic freedom, black mm -hmm. children are suspended. It's like, you know, Phil said, it's more than just, you know, right. one bad apple. It's this pervasive sense that, you know, children have to be uh, suspended, expelled, arrested, um, and criminalized, treated like adults, sent to adult courts um, for what every right. other white child uh, gets to do. Interesting. Rage of Innocence, How America Criminalizes Black Youth and Philippe Ajilagoff. Thank you both for joining us. <laughs> okay. All right. That's from the uh, Black News Channel from uh, Wednesday, uh, October 20th. That was uh, Dr. Philip Atiba Goff, CEO and co-founder of the Center for Police uh, Policing Equity, and Kristen Henning, uh, director of the Juvenile Justice Clinic, Clinic at Georgetown University. Okay, so uh, that was uh, from Charles, uh, that was from Prime uh, by Charles Blow on the Black News Channel. If we, uh, I want to go to the study from um, Philip Atiba Goff here. I want to go to the study for a minute. We've talked about it before. And this is from the American Psychological Association. So this, this is connected to history and the images that we see, okay? And the way you treat a people is largely based upon what you, uh, of how you think about a people, how you think about a people is largely based upon what you've been taught about a people. What you've been taught about a people is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about a people. So 
America must have a massive history lesson and we have to confront these negative stereotypical images of African-Americans, especially African-American, African-American children. Um, black boys viewed as older, less innocent than whites research finds black boys as young as 10. This is the study they reference in the club. This is the, uh, Dr. Philip Atiba Goff did this study. Black boys as young as age 10 may not be viewed in the same light of childhood innocence as their white peers, but are instead more likely to be mistaken as older, to be perceived as, uh, as guilty and face police violence if accused of a crime. According to a uh, research published by the American Psychological Association, now this study was published in uh, 2014, okay, 2014. Quote, children in most societies are considered to be in a distinct group with characteristics such as innocence and the need for protection, innocence and the need for protection. Our research found that black boys can be seen as responsible for their actions at an age when white boys still benefit from the assumption that children are essentially innocent. Our research found that black boys can be seen as responsible for their actions. Therefore, they need to be punished when they get out of line at an age when white boys still benefit from the assumption that children are essentially innocent, said author Dr. Philip Atiba Goff of the University of California, Los Angeles. The study was published online in the American Psychological Association's Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Um, one of the things it talks about in the study here is that review police officers personnel records to determine use of force while on duty and found that those who dehumanized African-Americans were more likely to have used force against a, an African-American child. Those who were uh, those who those who were found to have dehumanized African-Americans while on duty were more likely to have used force against a, a black child in custody than officers who did not dehumanize African-Americans. The study described use of force as takedown or wrist lock, kicking or punching, striking with a blunt object, using a police dog, restraints, restraints or hobbling, or using tear gas, electric shock, or killing. Only dehumanization and not police officers' prejudice against, uh, against blacks, conscious or not, was linked to violent encounters with black children in custody, according to the study. Read the rest of this here. This is at... Uh, APA.org, American Psychological Association's website. APA.org, black boys viewed as older, less innocent than whites research finds. All right, 
now I want to go to this uh, next story here just a second. How's everybody doing? If you like this type of information, also you can support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AH. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, coming up Saturday, October twenty third, at uh, Wayne County Community College District uh, Northwest Campus, there's a uh, program uh, going on. Uh, let me see here. We pull this back up. The um, meeting of the minds. Meeting of the minds uh, with the uh, Michigan Democratic uh, Black Caucus. Um, it, it's time for the years of strangulation to end. Meeting of the minds uh, will help black men be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Uh, they, they're going to have uh, workshops. They're going to have a job fair, health care. They'll focus on health care, education, prison reform, career training and employment, financial empowerment, uh, friend of the court issues. They're going to have different resources and workshops there. Uh, this is Saturday, October 23rd, 2021, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Wayne County Community College District Northwest Campus. 8200 uh 8200 West Ava Drive 8200 West Ava Drive Detroit Michigan okay uh and for more information you can visit uh mdpblackcaucus.com mdpblackcaucus.com uh okay uh for more information as well we'll post this link here also mdpblackcaucus.com uh, all right, I want to go to an uh, update here dealing with the trial of the uh, three uh, white men accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery. So this is day four dealing with jury selection. And uh, jury selection is continuing. It is going at a slower pace than the judge wants and other people want. As I've said, take your time because the three accused killers aren't going anywhere. It's not like they have a plane to catch anything like that. Number one. Number two, you don't want to screw this up. You want to make sure that you get the uh, correct jury. OK, that's going to be impartial and that is going to um, look at the facts and come to the right decision based upon the facts. Now, we're going to go to clip two here in just a second. Um, today in court, the defense asked the judge to clear Ahmad Arbery's signs and supporters from outside of the courthouse. Um, uh, news for JAX in, uh, in the Georgia area has a story on this. The fence asked judge to clear Arbery's signs, supporters from courthouse lawn. 
and they are objecting to the protesters outside the signs and they're saying that this could influence the jury. Attorneys for three men accused in the shooting death of Ahmaud Arbery asked the judge, uh, asked the judge presiding over the trial to limit the signs and justice for rallies outside the courthouse, arguing that it will influence potential jurors, arguing that it will influence potential jurors. Now, when when court reconvened after lunch on Thursday, October 21st, William Roddy Bryan's uh, attorney, Kevin Gow, told Superior Court Judge Timothy Walmsley that he's concerned about signs, banners, and demonstrations in front of the courthouse in support of Ahmaud Arbery's family. Defense attorney Kevin Gow complained of a banner near the courthouse steps uh, that includes a photo of uh, deceased congressman and civil rights hero John Lewis that in John Lewis was Georgia congressman the US House of Representatives he represented uh, uh, a district in Georgia so John Lewis picture appears on this uh, sign and it appeared to advocate for voting rights Defense attorney Kevin Gow also said a young girl who has been riding a tricycle in front of the courthouse this week with a sign saying justice for Ahmad on her back. Defense attorney Kevin Gow told Superior Court Judge uh, Wamsley, quote, to prohibit any signs openly advocating for justice for Ahmad Arbery on the grounds of the Glen County Courthouse. I want to go to this clip here from um, uh, News 4, JAX. Uh, they have more reporting on this. Let's go to this uh, clip number two, Shakita. Arbery's aunt is reacting to defense attorneys who have complained that a group of people outside the Glynn County Courthouse are influencing potential jurors entering and leaving the building. We're not doing nothing out here to hurt nobody. Everything we're doing out here is just for justice, peace, love, support. The judge and attorneys are still working to pare down the pool of potential jurors to find 12 who will decide the guilt or innocence of these three men accused of chasing and killing Arbery as he was jogging through a southeast Georgia neighborhood. News for Jack's reporter Marilyn Parker joins us live from the courthouse where she's been talking with demonstrators who have been there since jury selection began. Marilyn. The Transformative Justice Coalition says they aren't going anywhere. They're telling me that they're here to fight for justice and to show support for Ahmad Arbery's family. We don't get no justice. The Transformative Justice Coalition has a mission. In a case like this, the Arbery family needs support. They cannot feel like they have been abandoned or are alone by our community. So it's our responsibility to come out and support them. They've been singing songs, chanting, and praying since the beginning of jury selection. Thursday, defense attorneys in court say what they're doing is a problem. After lunch, 
William Bryan's defense attorney, Kevin Goff, told the judge he wanted to address what was outside, meaning the supporters and their banner on the courthouse lawn. He says it's influencing potential jurors entering and leaving court proceedings. They're not doing nothing wrong. They're supporting the Arbery family. Ahmaud Arbery's aunt says the banner represents what they're fighting for. Defense attorneys also mentioned a child riding a bike with Ahmaud Arbery's face on their back. Travis McMichael's attorney, Robert Rubin, says he's concerned with any conscious or unconscious attempt to influence any potential jurors. The judge suggested they file a motion, quote, walking me through the First Amendment rights you seek to infringe upon and how you intend to do this. They don't want you to have power. They're scared. They don't want you to have that. They're trying to take our rights from us. They're trying to do everything in their power to get power over us. But this is not what it's about. We're trying to get justice. Ahmaud Arbery's aunt also says she wants to send thanks to the Transformative Justice Coalition for everything they've done for her and her family this week. We just got an update from inside the courtroom. The judge intends to finish this panel of 20. I'm told right now they have five left, and they uh, did take a 10-minute break just a few minutes ago. We're live at the Glen County Courthouse, Maryland Parker Channel for the local station. All right. Great report in Marilyn Parker down in uh, Brunswick, Georgia for news uh, for JAX. Okay, I want to go to uh, Shakita. I just sent you a, a clip from the Black News Channel um, dealing with uh, jury selection. Let's cue that up, please. We're going to go to that quickly. If we look at this other uh, article here from um, Channel Four in um, uh, down in um, Georgia. Let me pull this one up here. This deals with jury selection. Okay, at the end of jury selection on Wednesday, they had fifteen prospective jurors. They need to get to sixty-four to be able to reduce it down to sixteen. Sixteen jurors, including four alternates at the end of day four, Thursday, October 21st, uh, 23 prospective jurors have advanced to uh, a pool with that's going to be a total of 64. Um, a Georgia judge has qualified 23 Glen County residents interviewed over three days to serve on a jury uh, to, to serve on a jury that would desi- to decide the fate of three Glen County men charged with killing Ahmaud Arbery. Let's go to this clip, uh, clip number three quickly, uh, Shakita. Justice for Ahmaud Arbery. Jury selection slowing down the start of the trial for the three men accused of killing him. The judge in the case is growing frustrated as prosecutors and defense attorneys try to whittle down a group of 1,000 people to just 16. BNC correspondent Drake Clark is talking to the community about this case. Jury selection continued today here in Brunswick, Georgia. 600 people in this county, Glen County, received a summons uh, to appear for jury duty this week. Uh, The judge indicated yesterday the number he's trying to hit is 64. 
64 qualified potential jurors. Once they hit that number, then they will cut it down to 16. They need to see 12 jurors and four alternates before the next phase of this trial can begin. Meanwhile, Gregory and Travis McMichael, along with William Bryan, are facing multiple charges, including murder, uh, for the shooting and killing of 24-year-old Ahmad Aubrey. Aubrey was running through his neighborhood in February of 2020 uh, when the McMichaels chased him down uh, and shot him with a shotgun at point-blank range. William Bryan followed the pickup truck and recorded the shooting and killing on his cell phone. Now, the McMichaels have indicated they thought that Ahmad Arbery was a burglary suspect and they shot him in self-defense. Prosecutors say no, that's not the case, that Arbery was not a burglary suspect and he was not armed and he did not deserve to be shot and killed. The challenge in seating this jury is that this is a small town of about 85,000 people. And this case, the killing has generated massive media attention. So the challenge is finding a jury that can be fair and impartial. So all of these potential or prospective jurors are being questioned about any number of things. One of the questions they've been had to ask is, do they believe uh, that the Confederate flag is a symbol of hate? Some of them, or at least most of them, have said no. Others have been asked, do you have a negative opinion or point of view on the three defendants? Some have said yes. Some have said no. It is a very long process. The judge presiding over the case just a few days ago expressed frustration at the pace of jury selection, telling both the defense and prosecution they need to do a better job of moving things along. The judge has set aside two weeks for jury selection, and at the pace they're moving right now, they may need all two weeks. In Brunswick, Georgia, I'm Dre Clark. Okay. NC. Pause it right there. Okay. Pause right there. Great reporting from Dre Clark, who did excellent reporting also outside the federal courthouse during the R. Kelly trial. Uh, read this article here. Uh, after dozens questioned 23 advance to pool of 64 potential jurors needed in Arbery slaying trial. Those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're going to keep going for a couple more minutes. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Okay, stand by, everybody. All right, how's everybody doing? Okay, um, so check out this article here once again. Um, this is from, they have some good reporting. A lot of times with stories like this, because uh, I've been, I've, been following this every day that the trial has started. Um, a lot of times, some of the best news sources are not New York Times, Washington Post, but they're local news um, stations that are there uh, on the ground. Um, after three full days, only 23 advanced to pool of potential jurors needed in Arbery slaying trial. This is from uh, News 4 JAX, News 4 JAX dot com and uh this is from um uh october 21st okay just very quickly here if we look at this uh let's see here on thursday a law enforcement officer and a woman over 70 years old were just two of the people excused uh just two of the people excused from the jury pool 
by state prosecutors and defense lawyers, by state prosecutors and defense lawyers. Residents 70 and older can be excused automatically with full-time caregivers and young children and or full-time students. Now, the judge can also dismiss jurors for hardships or disabilities or to run a business with a shortage of workers or to run a business with a shortage of workers. Potential jurors can still be qualified to hear the case, even if they say they already know the facts surrounding Ahmaud Arbery's death. Now, I've been watching a lot of, uh, and the Black News Channel has better coverage on this than MSNBC, okay? Just to be honest with you. Um, there's some good coverage also on Roland Martin Unfiltered as well. And, you know, usually I'm a panelist on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. I'm not saying that because I'm biased. I'm just saying, you know, he has some good coverage also. But the Black News Channel has some really, really good coverage on this. Put uh, in your deep to wall day uh, on, um, I know you're deep, uh, making the case with your deep to wall day. She has some really good coverage. She's an attorney. Um, she has some good coverage on this. And uh, Candace Kelly's uh, legal analysis is, is excellent as well. Potential jurors can still be qualified to hear the case, even if they say they already know the facts surrounding Ahmaud Arbery's death. Attorney Gene Nichols, who has no association with the case, said that not knowing anything about the case would raise even more red flags. Yeah, because like who the hell don't know anything about this case, especially if you live there. Now, one thing Dre Clark said, he said it's a community of 85,000. He may have been talking about the county because the city of Brunswick is about 16,000, the population. So he may have been talking about the county, Glen County is, is a po population of 85,000. That may have been what he's talking about. But Brunswick is a, a city of 16,000. It's a very small city. Uh, okay. Once lawyers, let's see, if you can imagine in such a small community, someone who knows nothing about this said attorney Nichols, this will probably strike more fear in all of the lawyers and the judge than any other potential juror, because that person either lives under a very large rock or they're lying to get on this, on this jury. End quote. Now, once lawyers have picked their final 64 potential jurors, they, uh, they'll have to follow specific guidelines set forth by the judge in the next elimination process. And each side can use a limited number of preemptory strikes to eliminate people from service. There's going to be a, after they get their group of 64, there's going to be another questionnaire that that group of 64 has to, has to answer. And we don't know what the questions are to get the group of 64 down to 16 will be 16 jurors, including four alternates. Okay. Uh, the judge has granted 12 preemptory strikes for the prosecution and 24 preemptory strikes for the defense, which the three defendants and their lawyers must share. 24, which the three defendants and their lawyers must share. So basically like eight per defendant, so to speak. If defense attorneys don't like the makeup of the jury, 
for any reason, they could enter a motion to move the trial to another city. If the defense attorneys don't like the makeup of the jury for any reason, they could enter a motion to move the trial to another city. Now, just because they request a change of venue does not mean it's going to be granted. Just because they request a change of venue does not mean it's going to be granted. But based on statements made by defense attorneys so far in this case, uh, attorney Nichols believes they'll want this case tried locally. All right. Um, now, before the fourth day of jury selection began, Superior Court Judge Timothy Walmsley heard a motion from media outlets asking for the partial gag order on the attorneys in, in this case to be lifted, asking for the partial gag order on attorneys in this case to be lifted. So let me increase the size of this. Now, the, uh, the gag order prohibits attorneys from discussing evidence the judge already decided can't be brought up in the trial like Ahmaud Arbery's mental health records, like Ahmaud Arbery's mental health records. The attorney for multiple TV stations says their, says their concern is that the gag order is not clear on what is prohibited and that it's unconstitutional and only to be used as a last resort. Unconstitutional and only to be used as a last resort. Now, Prosecutor Linda Donikowski told the judge that attorneys for the three defendants have done interviews with the media since the order, the gag order was imposed and did so without violating the gag order. The judge did not make a ruling on this, but said he'll issue a written order later. Okay, so read this one uh, here also. Uh, News4JAX.com. After dozens questioned 23 advance, to pool of 64 potential jurors needed in Aubrey slaying trial. All right. Um, so African-American business owners, uh, be sure to post the name. I said this during the break, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Um, email us at AHN show at African history network.com. AHN show at African history network.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Uh, we've got a few spots available. Um, we air your 30-second and 60-second commercial when we rebroadcast these shows and then also in the audio podcast uh, format of these shows as well. We're on 10 different audio podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, Acast, FM Player, tune in so you can um, uh, send us your 30 second to 60 second commercial 
if you don't have one, we can create one for you also at no additional charge. And uh, when we re-air our shows on our social media platforms, your commercial will run there. But also, it runs in the audio podcast of these shows also. Okay? Uh, we're on FM Player, TuneIn, uh, a number of different audio podcast platforms. Okay, be sure to register for the 10-week online course that I teach uh, on Saturday and one on Sunday. On Sunday, it's Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Kemet being one of the original names of Egypt. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Next class is uh, Sunday, October 24th. And we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Uh, just click right here on register here. It takes you to the next page and you can uh, register for the class. The class is on sale $80, regularly $130. And we do the sessions live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. And then uh, the other class that I teach is uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And this class picks up where Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade leads off. This one is on, uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement, that is on um, Saturdays. Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So as soon as you register, you can watch the class we did uh, this past week. And we deal with some of the history leading up to the Civil War. And then we deal with uh, the Civil War and what happened after the Civil War ended and Reconstruction, uh, Jim Crow era, uh, World War One, World War Two, Great Migration, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement, to understand the laws and policies put in place to put us uh, in the predicament we're in right now. So we understand where we need to go from here. And we'll see. we see also how history repeats itself. Because the voter suppression tactics that are being used today in passing these voter restriction laws, we see the same thing, something very similar happens after Reconstruction ends with the, uh, with, with the Southern states rewriting their state constitutions to codify white supremacy and suppress the African-American vote, take back control of the state legislatures, all aspects of um, uh, public life, take back uh, political offices, all of this, and lock African-Americans out of uh, voting and politics. So we see this take place in Mississippi, South Carolina, Louisiana, all these former Confederate states. All right, look, we're going to get out of here. Uh, remember, the African History Network, you focus on educating and empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Uh, post the name of your African American owned business here. Email us. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network show. Right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. On Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive. On Purpose Television Network. Yes. Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. 
all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels. Thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, 
a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle her hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustler Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustler Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. 